Blog Talk Radio. This is Colin from Cannot Justify. You're rocking Attitude Era Live with Icon, Granny Hawkster, and Big Twin. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you are hearing that sound, you know exactly what time it is. It is Attitude Era Monday Live Monday Time here on 89.1 Ken's FM. And with me is always our good friend, the modern nightmare, Matthias. How are you, sir? Well, after uh, another long week of work and a weekend, another weekend full of work with unfortunately no wrestling involved this weekend, but next weekend there will be. Uh, I will. Uh, I'm ready to do another live show here on 89.1 Kansas FM. And we have the Godmother of Wrestling with us. We have Granny Hawkster. How are you, ma'am? I'm very well, Icon. Glad to be here for another great show on Kansas FM 89.1 tonight. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. We have a big show tonight. And first off, we have Paul Borghese, uh, who starred as. Yogi Berra in the movie 61, along with others. We have uh, Leslie Scarborough. Now, Matthias, have you ever seen the movie Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield? Um, like I, maybe once. It's not really ringing a bell at this moment. Okay, well, let me tell you about Leslie Scarborough here real quick. In the movie, uh, at the beginning, Rodney Dangerfield goes to see his son at college, and he walks into the wrong dorm. <clears throat> And he he walks upstairs, and he pulls the curtain back and says, Hey, buddy, can you help me? And it happens to be a woman that's taking a shower. Oh, boy. And uh, he says, I'm sorry, baby, I didn't see nothing. I didn't see nothing. And then he pulls the curtain back and says, You're perfect. And we're going to talk to her because she was a gal in the shower in that scene. Oh, wow. And we also have Marty Schiff. Now, he used to be on a TV show when I was a kid called Out of Control. And it was on Nickelodeon back when Nickelodeon was Nickelodeon, when they had Double Dare and You Can't Do That on Television, Out of Control, Danger Mouse, uh, Inspector Gadget. You know, when Nickelodeon was Nickelodeon. And because of this man, I served many weekends of grounding because my mom told me, do not watch that show. She didn't like it. And I watched it anyway, and I served a lot of groundings because of that show, and now hopefully I can uh, have him apologize to me for all the groundings I served when I was a kid because of him. <laughs> well, we'll see, I suppose. All right. Well we'll, well, we'll get into that in the second hour. So, Granny, first off, here before our first guest calls in, let me know what's up with you, how have you been doing, any uh, wrestling for you last weekend or last week? Well, I actually, David and I actually went to Kansas for a couple of days to see my mom, and lo and behold, I found out about a wrestling show in Olathe, Kansas, Saturday night, so David and I ended up going to Trailblazer Championship Wrestling. They're a fairly new company. I think this was like their fourth show. I got to see some friends that I hadn't seen in a while, I got to make some new friends, of course, I wasn't prepared to going to be planning on going to wrestling show, so naturally I didn't have my Granny Holster shirt. But I proudly wore my We Are WFC shirt to the wrestling show Saturday night. Had a lot of fun. It was only about 
20 minutes away from where I was actually staying at in Kansas. So it made a nice little fun night, you know. So, But I got to tell you guys about we went out with some friends for an early lunch Saturday afternoon, about 3 o'clock to this restaurant. And it was called The Suburban. And there was eight of us. And we sat out on the patio, nice afternoon, you know, not hot, you know, very nice fall day. And I tell you, the food there in this restaurant is absolutely to die for. I mean, David and I, we split a Philly cheesesteak sandwich, I mean, that was more than a foot long sandwich, and and we had french fries with it. Now, the fries were a little bit different than I had ever seen before. It was Kind of like long, like a steak fry, but they were sliced thin, you know, kind of like almost like a potato chip, but they weren't, you know, crunchy, crunchy like a chips, but they were French fries, and they were really good, and they had a good flavor, and of course, the cheesesteak came with, you know, mushrooms and peppers if you wanted them, and I mean, it was a good sandwich, but my friend ordered this, and next time we go there, I told my husband, next time we go there, we're going to order this dinner, and we're going to split it. Now, I know you guys have all heard of chicken fried steak, right? I mean, yes. you all, okay. Well, this guy, I mean, he's a gourmet chef that owns a restaurant. He has come up with different types of things. for his. This was a chicken fried ribeye steak, okay? And it wow. was braided like a ribeye steak. I'll have to pull up the picture if I not if I could send you guys the picture, I'll have to send it to you because it had mashed potatoes, it had green beans, and then it had the white gravy over the top of the chicken fried ribeye steak. Wow, I'm number getting one, hungry now. It, Thanks, Granny. And number one, it was huge. Number one, it was absolutely huge. But it was so tender. I mean my friend, he cut three or four pieces off and put it on our mine and David's plate so we could actually try it and it was absolutely out of this world. I have never I've never even heard of anything like that, but it was absolutely amazing. So that's the kind of weekend that we had. We got back we left early Friday morning. Got back yesterday morning about oh ten thirty yesterday morning I guess. How had a fun trip, you know. My mom, she's doing good, so got to see some wrestling. But I'm really waiting for this Saturday for WFC because it is going to be their 11th year anniversary show. I cannot wait for that. It's going to be an amazing night. I am. I have been so ready for the show for the past couple of months. I can't wait for it. So. Well, you know, I'll tell you, I, I can't wait to talk about that uh, next week. You know, we have big shows now from uh, the end of, uh, from now until the end of the year, and we'll uh, talk more about uh, next week about uh, the upcoming fundraiser that uh, they're going to have here at 89.1 Kins FM. We're going to have you all listen in. Uh, we'll have more details for you about that next week. And uh, before our, our next guest should be calling in here shortly, uh, I, I might have to cut you off, Matthias, but you mentioned no wrestling this weekend. How about our last weekend? How about this coming weekend? Anything going on uh, this weekend for you? Yes, as a matter of fact, uh, Below Zero Wrestling is hosting a show in Wapaton at the Wapaton Event Center. 
And I just found out today uh, by the workings of BZW that I just so happened I'm in a tag team match uh, with fellow Sly guy, uh, Mac. It'll be Mac and myself with Sylvester J. Fox in our corner, and we're taking on DeLorean Diggs and uh, downtown Petey Brown. And, uh, you know, we're looking to uh, get another victory uh, for the Sly's guys and keep on moving on. I mean, they've been a thorn in our side here for the past few months or so with DeLorean trying to attack Sylvester and and Petey deciding to stick his nose in somewhere it doesn't belong. So me and the seven-foot-tall Mac will have to uh, take care of a little business on Sunday. And then uh, at the next show, it'll be uh, we'll see what goes on after that. Well, I'll tell you what, we will uh, talk about that more next week. But uh, we're going to – our first guest is ready. We're going to take a quick little commercial break. And we will be back after these messages from our sponsor. Still not work. No, I, I well anyway, we'll we'll go to our guests and uh we'll have our resident uh uh our, our resident uh fixer check that out. But right now, ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room, walking down the aisle. He is the reason why everybody watched the movie 61. He's the reason why everything was back in the day. And he was also the great Irishman with the family. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you my buddy. He is Paul Borghese. Hey, this is Paul Borghese. That's right. You're listening to the Attitude Era Monday live on 89.1 Ken's FM. With your host, the icon, big deal. He only counts as one. Miss Ambidextriel, the big swing, the godmother of wrestling, Granny Holster, and the modern Holster, and the modern nightmare, Matthias. Hey, icon, you're not concentrating. 90% of radio is half mental. Hey, Paul, how are you, buddy? Good to have you with us. All right, I hope I threw that out there good for you. Oh, perfect. Yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, you hit all my favorite quotes from the movie 61. We're going to be talking a lot about that because it is pretty topical. We all know that the movie 61, of course, was about Roger Maris and uh, the hellacious season he had in 1961. It was uh, great for breaking the Babe Ruth record, but he also went through heck and back during that season. We'll, we'll talk a lot about that movie. We'll also talk a little bit more about some of the other projects that uh, you have. So we have uh, Paul Borghese. We're on 89.1 Ken's FM. We have 35 minutes here with our buddy. So uh, here's what we're going to do here, Paul. Before, we, uh, before I ask you a few questions, and we'll do a roundtable, you going to give us a little background about yourself. Then I'll ask you some questions. We'll do the roundtable, and we'll come back to me. I'll ask you the tougher questions. You want me to give you a background about myself? Okay, well, Usually when I do a radio show, they have my background, and they ask me about my background. <laughs> so, but, uh, I don't know what I want to tell you. I've been in the business for a very long time. I'm an actor uh, and a director, I'm also a writer and a producer, so I kind of work on all, all sides of the camera. And uh, as far as what I've done, I mean, I've been in a lot of movies and on a lot of TV shows. The one you were talking about in particular is the HBO movie 61 that I played Yogi Berra in. I'm the only actor to ever portrayed Yogi Berra as a player in a movie or a TV show. As a matter of fact, tomorrow night I'm going to, uh, they coming out with a new Yogi Berra wine. I'm going to the Yogi Berra Museum for the launch party, and wine tasting is that. So all these years later, I'm still staying very connected and tied into the, to the Berra family and also very friendly with the, with the Maris family because after we did 61, uh, Barry Pepper and I, who played Roger, uh, went to the Roger Maris Liberty Golf Tournament in Fargo, North Dakota for 
I guess about six years in a row. So uh, that's where you met me for the first time. That's where I met you for the first time. That's right. And I didn't want the record broken. I wanted to stay at 61. I wanted Roger to still hold the record, but share it with Aaron Judge. So I was actually one of the people who was disappointed the record got broken. And I was as well. And, uh, you know, speaking of the Maris family, you know, they, I've known the Marises since 1985 when the tournament first started. They've watched me grow up. They've uh, been a major part of my family for several years. Unfortunately, the tournament is not like it used to be anymore. You know, we don't get uh, the celebrity draw that we used to. And I remember the first time I met. Yeah, and I remember the first time I met you. Go ahead, sir. No, no, I was just saying that a lot of them are gone. You know, a lot of the old time players that used to come and or they can't do the trip. You know, so uh, because that's the type of tournament that that was. You know, you had the old time baseball players, football players, a lot of the athletes, uh, and that's years later. And you know, unfortunately, we've lost a lot of them. And and even taking, if they're still around, taking the trip is a, is a project for them, you know. And uh, one thing that uh, you might remember is uh, it, you, uh, um, even though you and I both are not golfers, uh, I, I can't remember it was the first or second year that I got to play golf with you during the tournament. It didn't go very well for yes, me. <laughs> and uh, it, it, if I recall, it didn't go very well for you either. I remember the one year that uh, I played with uh, Barry, uh, that was the year that uh, Billy Crystal was here. Billy Crystal said to me, so you're the icon now. The way you golf, was your nickname in high school pick him last? And uh, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, wow. That, that was, that was. Well, hey, that was his goal, not mine. That was good. So that anyway, good. let's. Let's talk a little bit about the movie 61, and then uh, we'll do a roundtable, and then we'll talk to you about some of the other stuff that you were going. Now, as an actor, we all want to uh, – it, how can I say this? We, we all want to play somebody famous and then become somebody famous as an actor. Now, what was it like playing Yogi Berra and the fact that he, he was still around at the time that you played him uh, – did, did you get to meet him? Did he have any influence oh, yeah. on how you played him? Uh, did he like the way you played him? Sure. I, well, you know, not every actor wants to necessarily play a famous person and then become famous themselves. And, you know, a lot of actors like myself, I, I, I want to be a working actor. I want to do well at acting. It's not necessarily about becoming famous because that can be a hindrance uh, in a lot of ways. But getting to play someone who... Um, it was, you know, as an Italian-American actor and being very pro-Italian-American and playing, you know, an Italian-American baseball icon, for me, that was really the high, highlight of my career. You know, he's a, you know, he's a Hall of Famer. He's uh, uh, revered by many other players. And he just, uh, the fact that he, you know, was still alive was such a treat because HBO arranged for me to go to the Yogi Berra Museum and uh, meet with Yogi. So I could get to know him a little better. So it was a, it was a slow process because he always quiet at first until he gets to know you and then he trusts you. And then after that, you know, he was he was helping me because I I'm a I played righty as well and uh, but Yogi hit lefty and I I hit righty. So Yogi helped me to learn how to like switch it to to be able to hit the ball lefty like he did. And so that was like a great treat just to just be standing there with Yogi and saying hold the bat like this and swing like this and you know. 
So uh, I developed a nice relationship with him, you know, that I cherished in the time that I had with him and his, and his lovely wife, Carmen. Uh, Carmen Barrow was a, a real sweetheart. Now very good friends uh, with his granddaughter, Lindsay. Um, I've, I've been to the recent uh, premiere of It Ain't Over, which is an hour-and-a-half documentary about Yogi and Yogi's life and Yogi's career, which is absolutely phenomenal. phenomenal. And everyone should go see that because it's going to be released theatrically. Did uh, he so, give yeah, you any Yogi-isms? Um, I think there were a few times where he said things that you weren't quite sure if they were intentional or if they were Yogi-isms. <laughs> a lot of years ago, so I can't remember. I think there was some one funny thing that we went out to dinner one night with Billy Crystal. We all had, had been working on the set and Yogi's with us, and something something happened where the, he asked for uh, his drink, and he said, you know, he asked for a cocktail, and he said something about... Um, uh, you know, uh, not ice or something about ice, you know, and then and she says, oh, so you, you want it straight up? And he said, no, I want it without any ice. And uh, we all kind of looked at each other and we like, was, was that an accidental yogiism or was that like, did he say that on purpose? Like, you just didn't know, you know. But I used you know, to know them one... all. I used to know, like, the back of my hand, but I had a book full of yogiisms. Yogi signed it for me. He signed a lot of things for me. And, uh, I, you know, a lot of them have evaded me, except, like, the most popular ones that everybody always says. You know, one thing, uh, when uh, Yogi Bear was here for the Roger Maris Golf Tournament, uh, his, uh, it was him and his son, Dale. And uh, I actually heard of Yogi-ism uh, when, he, when he was at the hotel. And uh, he said uh, to Dale, I guess they ordered a pizza or something, and he said to his son, Dale, he said, why do they have to cut these things in eight slices? If they cut it in four slices, I'd be able to eat the whole thing. And I'm like, <laughs> I think that's well, an old one. I think yeah, I know. I it's just, it's just kind of weird, you know. Uh, Paul Borghese is our guest here on 89.1 Kins FM. we got uh, 28 minutes here with uh, our buddy here. Uh, we're going to do a roundtable, and we're going to come back and uh, talk to uh, – I'll ask you a, t- a few tougher questions. But first, let me introduce you to Granny Hulkster. Uh, Granny, what do you got for our guest, Paul Borghese? Go ahead. Well, welcome to the show, Paul. It's a pleasure and honor to have you on tonight. <clears throat> Thanks for having I, me. Um, so how many years have you actually been an actor? Oh, I'm not sure exactly how many years. And as an actor, you, you always want to get, get cast in the roles that you look the, you look as old as you. Uh, <clears throat> if you look younger than you are, you want to keep it like that. So if I start saying how long I've been acting, I'd probably give away my age, and I'd play younger than I am. So ah, <laughs> a, a very long time. Let's say just, you know, uh, I, I mean, I didn't do much acting in high school, maybe a couple of plays, and I really didn't um, get into acting. And I got into acting and production at the same time, which is um, after I finished college and I went back to school again for film and te- television production and, and for acting. Uh, you know, all of my twenties. So it's been and a what long time. Has been, and yeah, and what has been the most interesting time that uh, in any kind of movie that you've been a part of? What has been one of the most interesting uh, times well, that you've done? If you can't I, say playing golf with me, that'd be too easy. <laughs> yeah, playing golf with Icon. Well, circling back to what we started talking about, I mean, one of the most interesting, uh, most most fun, 
the most rewarding roles I got to play was, was playing Yogi Berra because it was, I worked the whole summer on that movie. And I, I mean, most of these guys pay to go to a fantasy baseball camp. I got paid to go to fantasy baseball camp because, you know, HBO sent us to train uh, as baseball players, like, you know, like let's say the five leads, Barry Pepper, Thomas J, myself, Dominic Lambadozzi, who played Moose Gowan and Chris Bauer. And, uh, so that was just a lot of fun, and uh, and then we just got you know we worked in California, we worked in New York, we we worked in at the old Detroit Tiger Stadium that's now been torn down. They actually used that as Yankee Stadium, and in, in, in post production they did ca- you know character uh, uh, effects, special effects to make it look more like Yankee Stadium. But yeah, that that was the most unique and most interesting and fun experience, and I would say getting to that's, play yoga. That's awesome. Because awesome. I believe you guys only had like what was it, thirty six shooting days or something for the film. I don't. I tell you the truth, I don't remember how many shooting days. I know that whatever it was, I know that the, the budget kept going up. You know, um, <laughs> Billy Crystal got sick with the, with the shingles because he had so much stress making that movie. But it was uh, so beautiful, so well made. It was incredible. Hack, uh, Haskell Wexler. Uh, was a cinematographer who shot the sound of music. You know, he, like he's a master, and uh, you know they were always shooting with like three cameras at the same time, and it was just so well calculated. Every shot that they needed, every frame that they needed, and but it, you know it was a big, big movie to make. The amount of money, I, from what I remember, the movie was made for only about thirty million dollars, which is like nothing for a movie like that. And it's just that everyone wanted to work for. HBO, everyone wanted to work for Billy Crystal, everyone wanted to work, uh, you know, under Haskell Wexler as a DP, and the story, to be a part of that story, I mean, look, it's circling back to all of us 20 years later, because of what's happening, I mean, who would have thought that the record was broken in, in 1961 with 61 home runs, and then 61 years later, the record's getting broken, and you got number nine chasing, uh, uh, number 99 chasing down number nine for the record, you know, the numbers are just crazy so but it, it's been it's come back full circle to all of us as far as these radio shows and podcasts and appearances and things like that so it's always fun when you do something in your career that circles back like that not only for that but residual <laughs> they're showing the movie a lot more so we're all making more money <laughs> you know and i'll tell you what i know that you still have uh contact with barry pepper i'd do anything to have you hook me back up with him so we can get him on the show because uh, I know that he's got some stories about my poor golf game, too, but we can talk about that later. But uh-huh. I'm going to introduce you to uh, Matthias. Now, this is one guy that would like you to play him. in. A, if you ever do a wrestling movie, uh, Matthias, the modern nightmare, would like you to portray him uh, oh, really? because he, he, he loves you as an actor. So, uh, Matthias, what do you have for the guy that you want to have play you? Go ahead. Well, yes, you are talking to the man from every woman's greatest dream and every man's worst nightmare, North Dakota's number one heel, current reigning, defending, undisputed, EWI Diamond and APW World Heavyweight Champion, Matthias here. Wow. Welcome on to the show. He doesn't have an ego, really. Yeah, I, I, I kind of do. Um, but anyway. You have to uh, as a wrestler. Well, exactly. So when I'm, uh, when I'm usually a guest on a radio show or a podcast or whatever it is, I get usually asked the question, when was your this is it moment? Like, when did you realize this is something you wanted to do? 
So if I may ask you, uh, what, what, what was your this is it moment? Like, this is something I want to do. This is something I want to make a career out of, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, before I had a career? <laughs> you mean, like, in any, mean, like w- w- what made you decide, hey, I want to become an actor? Like, like for me as oh. a wrestler, getting in the ring and training initially was like, okay, I really want to do this. This is what I can become. This is what I can do. What was uh, your this is it moment? Like, was it a movie you watched uh, or a yeah, well, project? Yeah, I'll tell you what it by the way, I wrestled uh, all through junior high school, high school, and part of college. Uh, this is a point of fact since you're a wrestler, since you're oh, wow. talking about me playing you in a movie. But uh, I, um, I think I was really like, I was in my 20s, and, um, you know, kids in their 20s now, they don't, they're not, we all know, they're not a, uh, entrepreneurial and as ambitious and trying to start their own businesses, you know. They, they're not doing much in their 20s if they don't have to. But a friend of mine yeah. and I, uh, opened up a pizza, sort of a pizza and pasta joint, and it had a wine and beer bar, and it was called Al Paulie's because his name was Al and my name was Paulie, so it was called Al Paulie's. And we we made a local local commercial, you know, and I just got the bug because I got very involved in the commercial, not only like in the production of it and how it was going to look and what we were going to say, but being in it and then, you know, airing it and then wanting to revise it to make it different. So that got me real excited, that. And I said, oh, my God, like, I want to do this. I love this. And that's when I went back to school after college for the Center for the Media Arts in Manhattan to learn film and television production. And at the same time, I went to HB Studios to start studying acting. So it all, that all kind of happened at the same time. So that was the absolute moment for me where I was like, I have to do this. Wow. And from that point and on, then, uh, I've uh, been working on it. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, from that point on, I've been, you know, working in the business and fortunate enough to make an, uh, a living at it. Just it's not an easy thing to do in this business. Absolutely, absolutely. And then um, is there a genre of, like, film that or a project or anything that you have not worked on yet that you've really wanted to throughout your career? Um, I've probably worked on most genres. I mean, I've very, very much worked um, – both as a director and an actor, uh, you know, a lot of the mob movies and the mob genre, I've been uh, called to work on not only for rewrites of scripts, but um, directing and, and producing and, and, and played many, many, many mob roles and, uh, and detective roles and cop roles. Uh, if, there's some, if there's a genre that I ha- I've worked in comedy, so, you know, I can't say I haven't done comedy. Um, I don't, you know, something that's coming up that I might be doing that a producer is pushing me to do is to write and direct a Christmas movie and a uh, Christmas comedy. So that might be up next for me. That's, that's, that's a very good possibility of that. And I've always wanted to direct a small town drama, a small town drama, not, not with mob, uh, uh, you know, mob, but just a small town drama, which would take, you know, really focused and concentrated writing with, with a really good story. So that's kind of where I'm at with the different things I want to try. I don't have like a, you know, big desire for to be a voice in animation or to do any of these big Marvel movies. I'm sure they're big money, so I do them. But, um, you know, and I'm a character actor, I'm not a leading man. And um, as you know, I'm not such a great golfer. That's <laughs> what I can say. I don't <laughs> golf. We, we, we just went to have fun. But, uh, you know, it's time to hit the ball, and you're like, oh, wow, I really, I got it. I got it. I could do this. And then you get up there again, and you completely miss the ball. But 
that was fun and it was for charity. So uh, I th- I thought that was you know great that we were invited and that we we attended as many times as we did. Yeah. Uh, Paul Borges here. Paul Borges here. I guess here we got about eighteen minutes here with Paul. And for those of you who listen to our show regularly, if you go to our Facebook page, Attitude Era Live Monday, like that, you go to eighty nine point one Ken's FM page, like that. Do a ten dollar month donation of Power of the Tower. We'll get you qualified to win an autograph from a past guest, current guest, and future guest. I got a nice little care package from Mister Borghese, and uh, uh, start uh, entering now, and uh, we'll get you qualified to win an autograph from Paul. Now, one thing I do want to ask Paul is, you know, you are from New York. Now, is it uh, is it kind of a, a bad stereotype that People from New York play gangsters all the time. Uh, is that is that a bad stereotype, or do you guys like that stereotype, or is it not a stereotype? I don't think it has anything to do with uh, if you come from New York. I, I think the best gangster-type actors just happen to come from New York because there's just a lot more realism to them. I mean, I've seen uh, different movies that were obviously shot in Canada or something to me, and I see that the you know the wise guys or the tough guys that are in them just don't come across with that you know that realism and that authenticity that you get from a New York guy. Like even 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 if he's just an actor, he's been around enough and heard enough, or he's picked up enough, and I think he, you know they just bring more of a realism to it. As far as getting stereotyped, it's it's, it's not so much stereotype typecast. Um, I don't really care. I mean, as long as you're working. You're, someone's always going to want to try something different, but you're blessed just to be working. So if you're getting a lot of mob roles and tough guy roles or you're getting cast as a cop all the time, just consider yourself blessed because there's people that aren't getting any work. And that's how I feel about it. Uh, Paul Borghese, I guess, here on 89.1, Ken Zeppelin. Got, uh, unfortunately, we only got 16 minutes. I wish it was 16 years because I have a lot to ask him about. But <laughs> one thing I, you know, I, I do want to ask you about is – the first time I ever saw you in a movie, and I, I, I know I'm kind of a comic book geek here, but uh, you were in the Toxic Avenger Part 2, and you're also in the yeah. Toxic Avenger Part 3, and you're also in the class of Newcomb High Part 2. Apparently, they, uh, they, they, they had to have a good actor such as you for a sequel. So what was it like being in a film like that? And also, the company was Trauma Films, and it was, Lloyd Kaufman and Michael Hers used to used to co-direct, and the other movie I did for them uh, was Trauma's War. Um, I don't know; it was like early on in my career, and um, they cast me in like one of their movies. And I was also I did some stunt work early in my career, so uh, I was doing you know like playing a role and also a, a stunt man on the stunt team. And I, I, they were just like fun movies. And they were you know early in my career. And it was where I was like, kind of like cutting my teeth and making my bones. And uh, they're, they're real goofy, culty kind of, you know, kind of movies. But it's, it's funny because, you know, Toxic Avenger is always going to be like a cult classic. So I, it's funny when people bring up and go, holy shit, you know, you were in, you were in Toxic Avenger 2 and 3. And I was really only in 2, but they used extra footage they shot in 3. So I went up in both. And then, uh, yeah, I went out to California to work on Class of Newcomb High 2 played two different roles in that movie, which was fun. And, and then, yeah, Trauma's War was shot in New York, uh, not that far from where I lived, and uh, that was a crazy movie. And that was where I really, really was heavy duty on the stunt crew with that and did mostly stunts, but played the role of Goo Boo 
one of the lead terrorists on there. So, yeah, that was an interesting so, uh, learning experience. You know, uh, and uh, also remember the PG language. But uh, now you you work with yeah, many sorry, directors. We were talking about yeah, we were talking about your work with Billy Crystal. But I want to know what it's like working with Mar- Martin Scorsese, and the fact that you got to be in a movie with Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, and Joe Pesci. The ultimate gangsters. What was it like working with those guys? Yeah, isn't that something? I well, I actually had worked with Robert De Niro prior to that. I worked on a movie called The Family with Robert De Niro, Michelle Pfeiffer, Tommy Lee Jones, and Dominic Lambertozzi. We worked for a month in France on that, and uh, so you know, I got to work with uh, with Bob before that, and I knew him from prior. But this particular movie, The Irishman. Yeah, I was actually worked on it more than did more work on the movie than showed up in the movie because it's a very long movie, as you know, and they cut a lot of it. So uh, one of the scenes that I wound up being in was with Joe Pesci, and I had known Joe from before. So it was really just such a great time because I mean Joe was so cool, and we were improvising, and, and Marty was like, he's just a great director, you know, and he keeps doing it over and over and over again, and, and until he gets it right. So you know. Um, He's just he's, he's easy going, and uh, just like a fun. I mean, I felt like I was just like watching him. I was you know, in awe, uh, watching him just speaking. And after all the years of not having gotten to work with him and finally getting there, and the, the you know the Joe Pesci experience was fantastic because when I first got there, Joe said he was hey yeah I haven't seen you in a long time, and I said yeah yeah I haven't seen you in a long time, Joe, and he's like. Uh, he knew my dad because we had a family business in Little Italy of the Bronx called B&G Clothes, a men's suit store. And he said, hey, how's your father doing? How's your dad doing? I said, oh, I'm sorry. We lost my dad a few years back. And he said, oh, geez, I'm sorry. I didn't know. He said that. And every time we ended our scene at the end when I was walking out of the store, he would say, and don't forget to say hello to your father for me. So I didn't say anything. I left it alone. And we did it every time, every million times. At the very end, I went over to him. I said, hey, Joe, I got to ask you something. And you said, like, you know, make sure you say hello to your father for me. That wasn't really part of our characters in the script. Is that like our character? Is that kind of you and me, you kind of saying something? Because what do you think? I was saying that to you, like, for your father, so you could go home to your mother and tell the Joe, like, mentioned, remembers dad in the movie. So every time you watch that movie, you know I'm talking, like, to say hello to your father. You know, not our characters, but me and you. So I thought that was like a real, like, it was like a gift, you know, from him to do something that, you know, that sweet and that sentimental, you know. Not many people know that, but that's the story behind that little improv line by Joe at the end of that scene. And, uh, you know, we get a lot of our information here from uh, uh, imdb.com. And I'm looking at the stuff that you're going now. You got, uh, it looks like you got three movies in post-production. You got one filming, Movies with All My Friends. Uh, Apparently, you're going to cast me in that later. And then you have, uh, (laughs) you know, five movies in pre-production you have one that was just announced all mobbed up so be, being in all the being involved in all these different films at one time uh in pre-production uh do you like go to like one set and like film for a couple weeks and go to the next one and then go to the next one how, how do you keep all that straight well imdb is not always completely up to date like it's uh it says that uh movie movie with all my friends uh which aiden sky uh, wrote and directed um, it's actually just finished being shot. So it's not in pre-production anymore. Now it's in post-production getting edited. So I already played a role in that, and I was a co-producer on that. Um, 
you know, another movie that was just mentioned there, I, I believe, was um, uh, a critical acclaim, which might show that it was still in pre-production. Again, that's been filmed already, and that's now in uh, post-production. And I, I played a role in that and, and, and also was a co-producer on that. So, uh, you know, sometimes it seems like they're overlapping more than they are. But, you know, you kind of balance it. You, you're lucky if, uh, if you're having trouble balancing it. There's too much going on at the same time. Uh, Paul Borghese here, I guess. Here we got uh, ten minutes here with Paul. You know, one thing I, I do want to say, Paul, is you, you know, you you are, uh, and I'm not just saying this because you're on, but you are a great, awesome guy. And uh, you know, I I know we we have a, a truncated version of the interview that we are going to do, but we're hoping that you'd be willing to uh, join us again. Uh, we're not ready to go yet, but hopefully you'll be able to join us again. Maybe we can uh, get Barry on with us. Yeah, I, I'd love to come back. Absolutely sure. You know, we got in whatever we got in tonight. I'm happy we did. And, um, yeah, I get in touch with Barry and see if we can get Barry to join us. Um, we, Barry and I keep very in touch with each other. We became very close friends uh, since we uh, did the movie together. His daughter, I'm Uncle Paulie to his daughter. Uh, he, he gave birth, his wife gave birth to his daughter while we were shooting 61. So uh, known her her whole life. So there's a definite sentimental attachment to us having made the movie together. You know, and I always tell uh, everybody that, uh, you know, I, I got a good friend. He uh, He's from New York. His name is Paul Borghese. And I'll tell you what, man, he uh, he's a nice guy, but he can also be a gangster if you get on his bad side, you know? <laughs> yeah. We can all go bad if we need to go bad, you know? <laughs> so now you uh, – uh, you are currently. Uh, you are. Cur- are you currently directing a film right now, or uh, you're working on directing a film? Uh, right now, I have two films in de- in development uh, that I'll be directing, and one one is this Christmas movie that uh, that I mentioned before, and another one is a smaller film that I'm going to be getting done just just before that. But right now, I'm not on set you know, per se uh, directing right now. I just finished playing a role in a movie. And I have some other things coming up, but um, I'm not like on set right now. But we're always working because when you're not on set, you're, you know, you're finishing something up. You're in post production. You're editing. You're sound mixing. You're doing music. You're, uh, you're, you know, writing for the next thing or whatever it might be. Or consulting. I do a lot of consulting. I'm also teaching now, so I have seminars and workshops. So uh, there's always a lot going on. You know, probably never retire. <laughs> You know, and one other thing I was going to ask, you know, it, you know, and our fans knew this was coming, you know, the, this Christmas movie that you're talking about, if you need someone to work for free that would come and carry your bags and get your cappuccino from uh, one of the local <laughs> coffee shops, I am your guy. Well, I don't think I would let you work for free, but and I think I would give you something more important to do than that. <laughs> Well, you know, I'll tell you what, I, I'm willing to do whatever I have to do to get uh, get my foot in the door. You can ask anybody. Uh, you know, well, I, I know that. Well, yeah, I, I you know, it's like, uh, I, you know, I'm a great guy. and. Uh, oh, my just, God, who the hell cares? All right, thanks, Big Swing. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, and <laughs> uh, more easier. Well, uh, what Big Swing likes to do is he likes to play these little sound effects. Uh, like if I start uh, talking about myself too much, he starts playing that, and uh, he lets me know I'm going off the rails. So we'll, we'll get back on track. I so now what? Um, really said that. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, so now what, you know, you mentioned you're not on, on set right now, so you're, you're kind of like taking a break. When uh, do you, uh, uh, are, are you, are you looking to uh, do other things in the meantime before you start these other two projects or uh, are you just like kind of like taking a quick little break? Well, that's what I was saying. It was, they're not even really breaks. It's just that when you're not on set, you're always working. So if you're, if you're not on set, either acting or directing, you're, you're in post-production studios, editing or doing, getting, you know, supervising music score or sound mixing, or, you know, you're developing a new project and you're having meetings. I have a film office where I'm constantly having meetings to talk about new projects, some of which I'm collaborating on, some of which I'm just hired for. Uh, so, you know, there's always something. And again, I mentioned that I'm going to be teaching now. So I got together with a few different people. Um, I've been doing a lot of work with Bobby Moresco now. He's a, uh, uh, Bobby's an Oscar winner for uh, writing and producing the movie Crash, if you remember the movie Crash. And right now he's got a movie he wrote and directed that's premiering in Italy called Lamborghini. So I've been working with him and closely with his daughter, Amanda Moresco, and we're putting together workshops and seminars for people that want to get into acting, want to get into writing and kind of teaching them how to do everything from soup to nuts. So there's really, you know, uh, what's the expression? There's no rest for the weary. Right. Well, there's always something going on. <laughs> so now, so these are high school kids you're going to be teaching? Uh, well, they'll be, you know, it'll be sort of a, not just high. I mean, it, there's adults that want to become actors, you know, there's people that retire and want to become actors or want to write a screenplay. Uh, so it's going to be a wide range, wide age range. It'll probably be from like 17 up. Okay. You the know, reason why I was asking this, uh, you know, we had uh, Tito Santana on uh, uh, about three years ago now. And I know you don't care, but I'm going to mention it anyway. Uh, he's a math teacher now. And I asked him, I said, so uh, when uh, students realized that uh, you were uh, a pro wrestler, how many started acting up so they could uh, get an autographed note signed from the teacher sent home uh, to their parents because they acted up because they knew you were Tito Santana? <laughs> now, if, that, if, if, if students are acting up in class because you got to sign a note home, now you know why, because you are Paul Borghese. That's why it's happening. That's a good point. But I, 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 I'm, I would voluntarily and most very easily give an autographed picture. I'm very always happy to do that, especially in, like, local pizzerias and and, and dry cleaners and places like that, they all get a big kick out of that. So I'm always ready with something in the car to give them. So, uh, but that's a good one about the wrestling autograph. I like that one. And uh, I, I, I do have one. some good news for you. Uh, uh, on Friday, I'm going to have those uh, those cards I made for you. I'm going to have those printed off, and I'm going to get them sent to you. You just need to text me where you want me to send them. And uh, I'm going to uh, make those up for you because uh, – you know, you are a good friend of mine, and I do appreciate everything you do for us. That's actually one of the most awesome things that I I saw, even though I only saw it digitally so far. I was like, I've shown shown so many people. I'm like, wow, that's like the coolest thing. So I'm really looking forward to that. I'll, I'll probably be calling and saying, hey, can I order some more of those? Because those, those would be great for when I do shows and all that stuff. Make sure your logo and your stuff is on there. Make sure you designed it, you know. Make sure you, whatever you put on there is on there. Sure, I will. De- yeah, I'll definitely do that. And uh, so, uh, when uh, uh, let's go back to uh, '61 again, real quick. And uh, you know, like you know, '61 years ago, Roger broke the record, and unfortunately, uh, his record fell. And we do believe it was legitimate uh, with Aaron Judge. I mean, he hasn't been uh, accused of being on right. the gas or anything like that. But you know, 
the one thing, and as you know in the movie, um, how much uh, bad stuff that Roger had to go through with writers and reporters, and uh, I will never like that one actor that played uh, Artie. I will never like that guy because I, I know it was just a role, but, uh, you know, when you yeah, uh, when you got to yeah when you got to meet the when you when you got to meet the family uh what was it uh what was it like when you first met them uh, the Maris family yes um i mean every, every they're they're like really like the nicest people in the world they're just so um you know friendly i just remember when you know meeting them you know you know i'm roger maris i'm i'm kevin maris so you know like you just kind of like they're just very gentle and kind people. Um, Pat Maris, you know uh, Roger's wife. They're just also lovely. Even even the, the boys, uh, their wives, and then after that, when they invited Bar- Barry and I to the tournaments, you know we just got to know them so much better. Like I remember we stuck around one an extra day once uh, and went golfing just with them, uh, the Maris boys, and they, you know I got a little bit better that time because I think they were coaching me. And they were. They were like pros and stuff, you know? So uh, uh, I just thought, you know, Pat Maris used to give us something special every year for attending the tournament, whether it be a beautiful, you know, this black baseball bat I have that's beautiful. It says, you know, Roger Maris, celebrity baseball, uh, 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 celebrity golf tournament. And then she gave us a beautiful club that's engraved, you know, one year. And another year she gave us a beautiful leather binder that had, the, you know, the logo of the tournament. And... uh I just I just can't say enough nice things about them. We we had a lot of fun at the tournament, but a lot a wholesome time, you know. I've been to some celebrity golf tournaments that, you know, like the Hawaiian Tropic celebrity golf tournament that I was a judge at was a much different experience than the Roger Maris celebrity golf tournament. But uh, they both were fun. That's awesome. I I would have loved to have been part of that tournament. Uh, it probably would have been hard for me to play golf, but yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. We, we we got about uh, 30 seconds here, Paul. If our fans want to check you out and see, do you got a Facebook, an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a TikTok? What do you got? Well, uh, paulbergazi.com is, is my website, uh, com, And I'm on Instagram as Paul Borghese, same spelling. So follow me on Instagram. You'll see a lot of cool stuff from 61 on there. And, uh, uh, yeah, my Facebook, too. So, yeah, I'm all over the place. Just Google me. You'll find me. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, Paul, thank you so much. We're definitely going to have you on again, and I'll make sure For that sure. Um, uh, time zones have never been my strong suit. Just ask any guests when I call them at 2 in the morning, like I have you sometimes. <laughs> uh, I promise uh, we'll make sure that I, I, I start learning time zones. I'm going to start taking a class. Maybe I might have to um, take a couple classes, but I do appreciate you, Paul, and you are awesome. Thank you for being with us. Well, thanks for having me, and you guys, you all have a nice night, and uh, have a great week. Awesome. Paul Borghese, ladies and gentlemen, we love everything that he does. Uh, Our next guest is coming up here. Uh, We're going to uh, quick uh, uh, take a little commercial break here, and then when we uh, come back after these messages, we'll uh, have our next guest. The new Woodspring Suites of Fargo, located at 1090 35th Street North at the I-29 and 12th Avenue North Interchange, is an extended-stay, pet-friendly hotel with kitchenettes in every room, including a stovetop, full-size fridge, and microwave, plus a big 40-inch flat-screen TV with free Wi-Fi. 
You can book a room at 701-582-1600 or online at www.woodspring.com. Woodspring Suites of Fargo, rated 4.2 by Trust Score. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle. She is the reason why everybody watched the movie Back to School. She is the reason why she is perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you right now, she is Leslie Scarborough. (laughs) Hey, this is Leslie Scarborough. You are listening to the Attitude Era Monday Live Monday on 89.1 KENS-FM, KENS-FM. With your host, the icon, the big swing, the godmother of wrestling, Granny Hulkster, and the modern nightmare, Matthias. How are you, Leslie? Good to have you with us tonight. Oh, well, thanks for having me. I'm actually, it's been a good day. I'm I'm out here in California in a different time zone. I, 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 I have a real head for time zones, so I can't understand how people don't have a head for time zones. It's funny to me. But uh, well, but I'm a night owl. Well, you know, so. it's the icon, so he he's you know, he doesn't know what well, anyway, if I would if I would have paid more attention to school instead of taking naps, I would have been fine. Uh <laughs> Leslie Scar Leslie Scarborough is our guest here. We got uh, twenty seven minutes here at Leslie. And uh oh. uh hopefully uh you won't hang up on us with some of these questions, but uh, we're gonna go ahead and fire them. And then uh, we'll do a roundtable. <laughs> then we'll come back to me. I'll ask you the tough question. But but first thing I want to ask you about, probably the role that uh, sticks out the most is uh, back to school. Uh, your credit as being co-ed number one, which means you were the best co-ed in that movie. Let me <laughs> let me ask you what what was it like being on set with uh, Rodney Dangerfield and the fact that you weren't wearing anything. Well. I wasn't wearing absolutely not anything. And first of all, they were, I mean, it was a really respectable set. Like, they had this big, fluffy, white, you know, I don't know, what is that called? That that terry cloth. Yeah, that super soft terry cloth rope. And they had that ready the second, you know, we did a few takes. And, like, the second we stopped, uh, they had that thing wrapped around me. Um, so the only person who really saw me, it really was very tight, I guess, was the, the director, the cinematographer, and, uh, and Rodney. <laughs> and, you know, I was raised pretty European, so breasts, that's a PG word, right? Boobs. Yep. <laughs> aren't, aren't that, I mean, you know, there aren't, and they're just another part of the body, and they're they're kind of pretty acceptable in Europe. People go sunbathing topless. I, I wasn't that freaked out by it at all. And I was treated so well. And I did have a nude colored song on the bottom. Okay. Well, that that, that, that just ruined my childhood, but <laughs> I'm oh, kidding. No. Uh, well, you know, well, a nude song, you know, it doesn't leave a lot to the imagination. But again, whose right. imagination was Rodney's? And he was so cool. I, you know, I was kind of scared of him. I thought he might give me a hard time or, you know, you never know. And, uh, or have a star attitude. Oh my gosh. Not at all. Nicest, easiest, totally like the best you would expect him to be. 
Now, in between takes and everything, was he was he always cutting jokes and uh, trying to make people laugh and all that kind of stuff? You know, he's pretty professional, and um, I'd like to say, oh yeah, he had everybody laughing, uh, you know, continuously. But I wouldn't. I don't recall it being that way. However, I do know he made us laugh. Like, but it was like, it was just not nonstop. It was. It was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you so are perfect, now. definitely. And uh, we'll, no, we'll, we'll talk about. about, uh, about yeah, well, uh, in all that, we'll, we'll talk about when you uh, when you uh, saw the movie in theater with your uh, with your husband at the time. We'll talk about that a little bit. But uh, before I ask you, uh, you know, you were in also in Airwolf, uh, which was uh, you know with uh, one of my heroes. Um, uh, I'm so nervous talking to you. I I, I, I forgot his name. Uh, oh Ernest Borgnine. Sorry. Uh, and uh, you know that was uh, that was kind of cool. You had uh, being on uh, Airwolf uh, on that series. Uh, that was I was only on it. I, 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 you know, as a not as a guest star, not even a full guest star. It was a smaller role, um, and it, you know, a scene in a club, and I think. I don't even remember whether Ernest Borgnine was in that scene. I just all I cared about was was Jan Michael Vincent at the time being in the scene, and he was, and my lines were with him, and that was awesome. Um, he was and if you a go to a- and, if, and if you go to Amazon Prime, type in Airwolf and type in episode Birds of Paradise, and you will see Leslie in that film, uh, in that TV show. Yeah, we're in uh, great dress, man. You know? uh, now uh, I just we'll, remember uh, the dress. Right. Now, I'm going to come back and ask you a few tougher questions, but first I want to introduce you to uh, Granny Hulkster. Now, I know uh, that uh, uh, she has a few uh, cool questions about, uh, I I believe Rodney Dangerfield is her hero. So, Granny, what do you got? Go ahead. Well, welcome to the show, Leslie. It's a pleasure and honor to have you on. And I'm not so sure that Rodney Dangerfield is my hero icon, but I do remember (laughs) that movie, Back to School. And I loved that movie. That was a that was a real funny movie. I do remember that. That was a great and awesome movie. So, what was it like just to be a part of that movie with a great cast of characters that was involved in that? You know, it's a funny thing that you'd ask that because at the time, I was just thrilled that I had a scene with Rodney Dangerfield, but. I didn't, it was one of those things that kind of creeps up on you over the years. I mean, by the time it came out, I knew it was, it was good and it was funny and, and there was a great, there was a great after party, a great rap party. And my dad happened to be in town. who's no longer with us now. So I, I always, I cherish that my dad like got to go to that and, and Rodney was there as far as I recall. Gosh, you know, we drank a lot. Um, I just know my dad was so thrilled, so he must have, must have met him. I, I, I was hanging out with my friends, but it was at the top of the Roosevelt Hotel in Los Angeles, which is a really nice hotel, and they really threw an amazing party, and, and uh, I started to kind of realize, yeah, this is kind of a big deal, this movie. I've done a lot of sort of beach and horror movies and kind of B-movies, and I just thought it's just a fun, silly movie. Um, 
but man, I mean, I remember lines from it. So many people remember lines from it. Like it, it touched people. It moved people. It became, yeah, an iconic film. But at the time, when you're making something like that, you don't know, and you're just doing the small part in in a shower in uh, some part of Hancock Park in Los Angeles in a beautiful house. And, you know, you come in and you do your part and then you go and you don't know the rest of the movie. You don't know the rest of the script. And I mean, I'm like, like, uh, I kind of think you were saying to me that you uh, were going to ask me about seeing it with my husband in the theater. So I won't go into that right now, but you know, it does kind of dawn on you. Oh, this is a really great movie. So I'm really excited to be a part of this. But when they actually shot it, it was a day's work, you know, it, or, or half a day's work. That's the other thing. They got me in and out of there so fast. And, and they paid me nicely, too. They were very, um, it was just a really nice experience. And I was nervous, you know, like, because, yeah, it was Ronnie Dangerfield, and, and I was topless, and I wasn't topless in everything. So I was topless in a few things, but... <laughs> But I didn't know how that was going to go, and I remember going home going, "Wow, that was that was a good experience." Cut to many years later when he passed away, and it all like exploded. Like it still up to that point had just been a really cool credit I had that some people recognized me from. Strangely enough, especially guys of a certain age, um, but but once he passed away, it became like it became legend, you know? So, so when you asked me what it felt like, it felt like, oh, I got a cool part on sort of a cloudy day in the morning in L.A., and I shot it, and they were great, and I got to meet Rodney Dangerfield, and he was cool, and that was it for them. Uh, Leslie Scarborough is our, our guest here. We got uh, 19 minutes here, Leslie. Now, I want to introduce you to uh, Matthias. Now, I know that uh, he... Uh, He's going to apply to be your bodyguard, but one of his favorite movies of yours uh, was uh, Satan's Princess, because uh, he's our horror film oh. guru and also our wrestling guru here. So, uh, Matthias, what do you have for our guest? Go ahead. Well, first off, I want to welcome you onto the show. Yes, you're talking to the man from every woman's greatest dream and every man's worst nightmare, <laughs> North Dakota's number one heel, current reigning, defending, undisputed EWI Diamond and APW World Heavyweight Champion, Matthias. Ooh. Welcome onto my show. Uh, my main oh, question you. for you, and it, yeah, you're welcome. Your uh, show? Yeah, yep, yep. It's my <laughs> show now. I'm talking to the guest. Um, <laughs> but anyway, my main uh, question for you would be right now, because I always like to ask this question to a new guest and somebody I'm not familiar with, all too familiar with, or someone I haven't talked to before. When was the moment you knew you made it? Was there like a specific project you worked on or what was your this is now moment where like you're thinking this is what I, what I want to do for my life. This is what I want to work on. This is blah, blah, blah. What was your what was your moment? And that, you can't say meeting me because that'd be too easy. <laughs> you know, I I can't ever say I thought I made it, but where I felt like what you're saying, that thing of, oh, yeah, I want to do this. Um, I, had, I had a few of those. I had a few of those. I really did. Um, one of them, since we're talking about the Rodney Dangerfield movie, is during the years I wasn't working at all, actually, 
and I was I had moved up to Sun Valley, Idaho with my husband to raise our kids up there in the 90s. So I did work in the 80s here and then moved up to Sun Valley, Idaho, and I was at a gallery opening, and there were these guys, like, God, how old must they have been? Because it was 1986. If they were, like, 16 in 1986, maybe they were 20 three or four in 1993 or four and they're they're looking at me and I'm like I said I didn't I did a lot of commercials and a lot of big parts in small movies and small parts in big movies so I'm not like used to being recognized and in some ways I think that's a big blessing but it is kind of fun and so this group of guys was staring at me at the gallery and they're giggling and they're pointing at me and and they're, they're going, no, you go, you go, no, you go. Finally, this guy walks up to me and just goes, you're perfect. And I, I looked at him like, I mean, seriously, I hadn't thought about that in a long time. And I was like, what? And I went, oh. And he goes, he goes yeah, we all, uh, we all, we're your fans. We, we, we made posters of you by freeze framing, apparently freeze framing and printing about showers. <laughs> so... I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, yeah, that's the first time I, I kind of, like, went, oh, I'm a little bit famous. That's kind of fun, especially since I wasn't working and I was a mom and I was dealing with diapers and stuff. So that was like, hmm, yeah, I want to go back and do that again. So there was that. And then there was before that, when I was in the Philippines doing this Roger Corman film called Demon of Paradise, and I was on an island, island. Well, I was actually up in the mountains above. It's a, it's a place called Lake Kali Raya, and um, and Pakistan Han Falls. If anybody's been anywhere near um, outside Manila, it's a beautiful area. And I was um, listening to music. Madonna, uh, there was, Madonna had that song out. Oh God, I can't think of it now, but. If I could have a thousand times. I can't remember what the name of the song is, but it was when she was with Sean Penn. And the sun was setting, and it was in the Philippines, and I just had a day of shooting. And my, my at that time, husband-to-be, I guess he was my fiancé then, uh, was on Leslie, his way out. Uh, before you uh, do that, we just got to take a quick little time out. We got to do a quick little legal thing here, oh, and uh, we'll, be, we'll, we'll be back. You're listening to 89.1 Ken's FM, KNNZFM, Holly, Fargo-Moorhead. Independent public radio for Fargo-Moorhead and the Valley. Also on the web at www.kensfm.com. And we are back here on 89.1 Ken's FM. We have Leslie Scarborough here. We have 15 minutes. Uh, now, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but go ahead with your... Continue your story. Oh, I was just saying it was a dreamy moment, and I and my my fiance was coming out, and we were going to get married on the last day of of filming, and I just thought life is pretty cool. And that song by Talking Heads was pretty big then. I think it was 1980 with 1986. It was another part of 1986 because I did I did back to school right after that, um, and it was uh, that song. Uh, she's making movies and she doesn't know what it means. <laughs> she's on location making movies. She don't know what it means. 
And I thought of that, and the movie makes you want to be the story, and I just thought, I'm living a song. This is so cool. So, yeah, to answer your question, those are some of the key moments for me. That's awesome. Uh, so, Leslie, I want to ask you uh, uh, a couple other uh, roles that you played. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, uh, uh, and uh, here on our store, uh, on our show, we get our information from uh, imdb.com. Now, I don't know if this is accurate, but it says that you're currently filming a movie called Melody's Tune. Is that correct? Uh, that we finished, and I don't know it has not come out yet. I don't know if it's in editing or what's happening or, but yeah, we finished that like, I don't know, like over a year ago and I play a detective and it's about a little girl and a little home kind of, yeah, homeless girl and her mom who's also homeless. And, and uh, I'm a detective who interrogates a little girl to make sure um, that the person that's taking care of her isn't like kidnapping her or something. It's a real straight role. It's it's not my my old <laughs> my old goofy blonde roles. I'm not doing those because I'm older now. <laughs> I'm I'm. Well, you're still beautiful teacher. though. Well, thank you. I I don't know where you're looking, but uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm good with I'm good with things. <laughs> I like that where I'm looking. <laughs> anyway, uh, Leslie Scarborough is our guest here, and for those of you who are regular listeners of the show. If you go to our Facebook page, uh, Attitude Era Live, uh, Attitude Era Monday Live Monday, you like that? Go to eighty nine point one Ken's FM, uh, like that, and do a ten dollar month Power of the Tower. Uh, we'll get you qualified to win an uh, autograph from a past guest, current guest, or a future guest. Uh, Leslie, would you be willing to send us a few autographs for giveaways? Um, yeah. I mean, am I supposed to have pictures autographed? Well, whatever you got. I mean, even if it's an index card, I'll take any. We'll take anything. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. Okay. Uh, you know, because uh, I'm sure that uh, you don't. Uh, unlike me, you don't have a picture of you, the shower scene from uh, uh, Back to School up on the wall like I used to. No, not like those guys that uh, greeted me at the art gallery either. No, I didn't know anybody did that until then. <laughs> no, I just. <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> and I don't know if uh, you want old pictures or new pictures. But, uh, what, whatever. I'll tell you what, I, what, 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 whatever you feel that uh, you'd be willing to do, that'd be fine. Sure. Okay. Yes. Now, uh, you know, another uh, movie that you're in that uh, I really enjoyed, uh, you were actually in a movie with Ralph Melf, uh, Donnie Most. You were in Stewart School. It was like being on I think that was a bigger role, though, wasn't it? Uh, then, oh, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, every, that was so funny. Back to school was probably the shortest role I ever had, the least I've ever said, which was nothing, and I don't but know they, if I But they did cut out lines, though, right? Cut out my lines. There was a whole, a whole dialogue between Rodney and I about him, him looking for his son and thinking that, and what was I doing in a, in a fraternity, and I'm, like, explaining to him he's in a sorority, and it's, it's funny, but apparently they ran it and edited it. And as I discovered when I saw it with my husband in the back of the theater that was full and the, the audience just burst into raucous laughter, I'm like, first thought was, damn, my lines, I mean, darn, my lines were cut. And then 
my husband turned to me and goes, it was really funny that way. And I'm like, yeah, it was. <laughs> and, then, and then, of course, all the other things I did, this is the thing that people know me for, the girl in the shower with Roddy Dangerfield, seriously. So, yeah, I had um, most every part I ever had was bigger than that one. But, um, but yeah, uh, the dancing on the table one with uh, Donnie Most was in that. Um, and that was Stewart School. That was a really was a party scene. And I was a very uptight sorority girl. I'm always in the college things. Um, and all in plaid. And then I get up on the, t- on the uh, piano and do a, a striptease dance. So that was, uh, that was pretty fun. Uh, Leslie yeah, Scarborough yeah. is our guest here. We have about uh, seven minutes here with Leslie. And the thing is, Leslie, uh, you're definitely not the uh, uh, the roles that you play. That's definitely not you because you actually take my calls, which is really interesting. One thing I do want to ask what? you about, uh, well, you know, uh, you. well, let's see. How long did I have you on the phone uh, last week? What was it, 40 minutes or something like that? I I don't recall speaking for 40 minutes. Did you talk to me for forty minutes? Well, wow. that's what the timer on the—that's what the timer on my phone said. But anyway, we'll, 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 that's awesome. We'll, we'll, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah. Now you were also in First and Ten, uh, and for those of you who don't know, First and Ten was uh, oh, HBO's yeah. first uh, football series, uh, way before Ballers and way before any of those others. Uh, and she was, of course, uh, in the TV series with uh, T. D. Parker. I, I mean, uh, O.J. Simpson, who played T.D. Parker. Now, did you get to have any interaction with uh, uh, O.J.? No, zero. I did not even know he was on the show till yes, now I remember the entire conversation, and you told me that last week, and I did not know that. Mm-mm. I had some old guy that was in a bed that I was, uh, that I was, I don't know what I did to him. I think I tied him up or something. I was, I was a, a bad nurse, a funny nurse, though. Um, so I wasn't involved in that. I did not know what, I didn't know much about that show. You know, you come in and you do your part again. I was curious about who was it that, that saw me in, um, Satan's Princess, because that was a little racy, you know. Well, that was, uh, Matthias. You know, he, he likes those horror films, you know, and, uh, you know, any, anything that, uh, deals with, uh, like movies like, Friday the 13th and Halloween and all those. He he's he's a guru for those. And so that's Oh yeah. Uh, and I was with Robert Forster in that movie. That was he was a detective looking for me and I was I was uh I was the lost kidnapped girl and uh it was an alien woman but she turned well she was a woman but she was disguised as a woman she turned into an alien. It was pretty pretty wild. <laughs> I was I was just uh, uh, Leslie Scarborough's our guest. Now, uh, also, Leslie, you, you are also, uh, we have about uh, four minutes here. You're also a writer, correct? you got a book out. I do, yes. That book is about my mother's life. My mother was an immigrant from Germany. Well, she met my dad in Germany. He was in the Air Force after after World War II, but met her there, married her, and created me uh, above a theater that was playing a Leslie Caron movie, and that's why I'm Leslie. It also starts Fred Astaire. I guess I would have been Fred if I was a boy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Just, well, aren't you glad they decided to use Leslie instead of uh, calling you Astaire? Right. 
I, you're right. Or Leslie Caron, she, they called me the Caron part. I could be, it, people could think I was a Karen. They might. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and speaking of, anyway. uh, well, if your name was a stare, I mean, speaking of uh, the movie uh, Back to School, a stare, uh, you know. <laughs> oh. uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, I did write a book about my mom because she led a pretty interesting life growing up uh, as a German child uh, living through World War II. Um, and she wasn't Jewish, but she was German and and actually lived in Czechoslovakia in a little German enclave and they were not nice to those they were not nice to those people either. She had a pretty rough time of it and I didn't really know how much until uh my dad passed away and gave me her her uh like journal, her diary and it was so interesting that I made this I made a book out of it. And so yes, it was called Tishy, T I S H I. And, and uh, where can mom. fans get the book if they want to read it? Amazon. It's uh, Tishy Mother. Oh my God, immigrant. No, it's immigrant refugee. No, my gosh, I wrote it in 2017. Tishy, refugee immigrant mother. That that is it. Because her name was Annalisa, and she didn't like the way people pronounced Annalisa in America. They pronounced it Annalise, and her last name was Tiki. My dad always pronounced it wrong and called her called it Tishy, so she just went with Tishy. So Tishy was her name in America. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a whole immigrant comes to America in the early 60s and, and growing up and me growing up as an immigrant daughter and lying about my mom's accent or telling people she was the maid. I did horrible things. I'm so proud of her now, and I'm so proud that I speak German and that I spent a lot of time visiting Europe when I was a child. But I was very annoyed with it when I was a child. I just wanted to be like everybody else and have a normal mom. Uh, let's just start with our guest here. We have about 60 seconds. If our fans want to check you out and see you, you got a Facebook, an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a TikTok, what do you got? I only have the Facebook, which is under my name, Leslie Scarborough, and then at Les Directly, L-E-S-D-I-R-E-C-T-L-Y is my Instagram. So, and then, and, yeah, uh, and then they can Google me anytime and all that comes up. And uh, if uh, if you want an answer back, don't tell her you know me. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, folks. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, that's pretty accurate. <laughs> it, it's what? Yeah, that's that's pretty accurate. <laughs> All right. Well, Leslie, I'll tell you, you have been awesome, and I do appreciate it. And if we didn't scare you away too much, we'd love to have you back on again. And you have been just amazing. Uh, actually, you have been perfect. I love it. Yeah, that's a that's not a bad that's not a bad way to go. I mean, thank you. And uh, thanks, I Leslie. Say All righty. Good night, everybody. Bye. All right. Take care, Leslie Scarborough, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the gal from Back to School, and uh, that was awesome. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. I think our next guest is waiting in the wings. Right, quick here. We're going to take a quick little timeout, and we will be back after these messages from one of our sponsors. And that would be this one, right? Nope, it's not there. Okay, all right. We'll uh, we'll uh, bring our next guest out of the green room right now, ladies and gentlemen. Stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, the man who made Nickelodeon what it was, 
the man that made Nickelodeon the network that was so famous that caused me to get grounded so often. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the man himself. He is Marty Schiff. Hey there. This is Marty Schiff. You're listening to the Attitude Era Monday, live Monday on 89.1 Ken's FM with your host, the icon, the big swing, the godmother of wrestling, Granny Hulkster, and the modern nightmare Matthias. How are you, Marty? Good to have you with us. Thank you for joining (laughs) us tonight. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. And I'll tell you what, we're uh, we're definitely going to, we're definitely going to talk about, uh, uh, the the TV show that got me grounded several times, but we'll we'll, we'll talk we'll yes. definitely talk about that, and we're also going to talk about uh, your other stuff because we have Marty Schiff here. We got uh, uh, thirty nine or forty minutes here with uh, the man, and uh, we're gonna we're just going to go through the whole gamut. Uh, but first off, if you want to give us a quick little background about yourself, then I'll ask you a few questions. We'll do a roundtable, then we'll come back to me and I'll ask you the tougher questions. Okay. Well, I, I, I'm here because uh, I was an actor in uh, on a series of Nickelodeon, and I, uh, when I was 10 years old, uh, I decided I wanted to go to Hollywood, and I told my parents I was moving to Hollywood, and I was going to change my name to Tim. I have no idea why. I just that always just sounded like a great name to me. So my mother said you should wait. My father said I'll help you pack, but it was. Uh, it, it was something that I always <laughs> wanted to do. And, and back in the day, you, you didn't have film schools like you do today. And so I did the next best thing, which was theater. I got involved in regional theaters in Pittsburgh. And I um, uh, ended up going to Point Park. It was college then. Now it's university for a degree in theater. And while I was there, George Romero from Night of the – at the time was uh, famous for Night of the Living Dead – was doing Dawn of the Dead, and they came to my acting class at Point Park and said, we need someone to get hit by a truck and uh, be a zombie for $25. So I jumped up thinking that everybody in class was going to jump up, but I was the only one standing, so I got cast by default. I ended up going out and doing a stunt with Tom Savini, and um, George loved what I did, and he said, you want to get hit by a sledgehammer and thrown into a garbage can? On Saturday night, I said, do I get another 25 bucks? He said, yeah. I said, I'm in. So I went and did the uh, the sledgehammer bit. And that was the night, if you're familiar with the movie, that a motorcycle gang raids the mall. And they needed some actors to round out the motorcycle gang. So I was in the right place at the right time. And George put me in a leather jacket and a pair of shades. And I ended up being a biker. And I worked on Dawn of the Dead for another 30, 30 days after that. And... That was my film school. I would sit on the set and watch George direct and watch Mike Gornick shoot. And just uh, really, that's where I learned how to make movies. And I would move a little closer every night, a little closer, until I was about five feet away from George. And he and I would start to talk, and we became friends. And I ended up working with George several times after that. I did Creep Show, Night Riders. Um, and uh, worked on a series called George Romero Presents Dead Time Stories and, uh, and wrote a script for George. And uh, we just stayed friends throughout the years. But I had uh, graduated from Point Park and moved out to L.A. and came back and did Night Riders with George, went back to L.A., came back and did Creep Show with George, went back to L.A. and got my first TV series, which was The Book of Lists, which was on 
CBS, and it only lasted four weeks before we got pulled, but it was enough to get me started in TV. Um, and so from that point on, I worked mostly in television. I did a few films after that, but uh, did mostly sitcoms. And, of course, we're going to talk about Out of Control and Nickelodeon. But, uh, and commercials. I did a Little Caesars Pizza commercial, which is on YouTube. If you Google 90s arm wrestling Little Caesars Pizza, you'll see it. It's, it's on YouTube right now. Um, you know, and Marty, and I, Marty, the other interesting thing, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but the other interesting thing is, yeah. you know, you were in a movie called Night Riders, and then you were actually on the TV show Night Rider, and uh, was, you, yes. uh, you you got taken out by a sledgehammer, and you're also on the TV show Sledgehammer, so uh, <laughs> you kind of like the... That's exactly right. And uh, like in class, I'm sure you're out of control. Of coincidences. Yes. In, in class, I'm, I'm sure you're out of control jumping up, so that's how you got that part, too. There you go. There you have it. So anyways, I had a great, uh, a great run of it in L.A., and then uh, I started – I always wanted to produce and direct, and I started moving into producing and directing and uh, worked with a company called The Gold Company um, doing development, which was like – I did script coverage, basically, and we uh, did Blank Man and um, Ace Ventura and Mo Money and, uh, and Eric – Gold, who was the um, the head of the company, uh, was the executive in charge on In Living Color. So we were around that. I didn't work directly on the show, but it was part of what we were doing at the time. And then the Northridge earthquake hit, and I ended up coming back to Pittsburgh. Um, and that's where I've been since the Northridge earthquake, which I actually came back a little bit later. But uh, I've been back here working and the digital era kind of happened at the same time and production was leaving LA, you know, um, it's still the, a third of production is still done in Los Angeles, but the rest of it is done in places like Atlanta and New York and, and, uh, and New Orleans and Pittsburgh. So, um, my timing wasn't too bad actually coming back. Uh, Marty Ship is our guest here on 89.1 Ken's FM. We got, uh, 35 minutes here with Marty and, uh, uh, our uh, our horror film guru, I know he's going to be asking you about uh, Dawn of the Dead and uh, also Night Riders and Creepshow. We'll get to him in a little bit, but okay. we'll, we'll, uh, uh, we're going to come back uh, uh, to me and talk about Out of Control because I have a lot of questions about that. But I'm going to let these two uh, I'm going to let these two uh, ask you a few questions first, and we're going to come back to me. Then we're going to get Out of Control, as they say. Uh, Granny, what do you have for our guest, Marty Schiff? Uh, he is, uh, well, I'm watching his Little Caesars commercial right now. Uh, go ahead, Granny, what do you got for our guest? Go ahead. Well, <clears throat> welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, Thank you. Gosh, I, I can't really think of a really great question right now because I can't kind of taken some of the great questions that I had in mind. So mm. uh, what's the most interesting thing that you've done? in your career. You can't say this show because um, that'd be too easy. <laughs> I, well, I would have to say that I've done a lot. And um, one of the most interesting things I did when I uh, was on out of, or on a um, uh, book of lists on CBS uh, that I had mentioned earlier, um, I got to wrestle a tiger and uh, have a lay, uh, an elephant lay down on top of me, which was really kind of exciting. But uh, that was interesting. Um, I did a lot of my own stunts throughout the years. Um, I met a lot of interesting people, and that, that to me, I think, 
is really um, been one of the greatest parts of my career. I got to meet people that I grew up watching, like E.G. Marshall and uh, Leslie Nielsen and um, and Phyllis Diller. I got to meet these people and uh, and hang out with them and work with them. That was the greatest part. That's really been the greatest part of my career is just meeting all these wonderful people. Awesome. Uh, Marty Schiff is our guest here. And uh, uh, now, uh, Marty, before I introduce uh, uh, the modern nightmare here, uh, he is our horror film guru, and uh, I know that he's uh, uh, he's seen you in the Creep Show and Dawn of the Dead. Uh, we're we're going to get all the we're going to get all the other stuff out of the way, and I I know you probably don't want to talk all about it out of control. I'm going to ask you about your other film roles, but uh, big uh, uh, nightmare. What do you got there? Go ahead. Well, welcome onto the show. It's always a pleasure talking to a fellow horror fan slash actor, that kind of thing. I Yes, I am the man Thank from you. every woman's greatest dreams, the man from every woman's greatest dream and every man's worst nightmare, North Dakota's number one heel, the current reigning, defending, undisputed EWI Diamond and APW World Heavyweight Champion. Um, well, like I said, welcome onto the show. Yeah, I've seen uh, a few of your pictures, um, Dawn of the Dead, and the zombie uh, horror movie series and that kind of stuff were always uh, one of my favorites growing up next to the slasher genre. Uh, Night of the Living Dead was great. And um, Dawn of the Dead, of course, the one you were in. Now, what was it like getting to work under, like, first off, what was it like working under Romero and getting to work with, like, a special effects artist like Tom Savini because – in one of my other favorite ones, um, I'm trying to think of which one it is now. I can't remember off the top of my head. It's the one where um, the army people are stuck underneath the ground with the scientists. Oh, Day, day of the Dead. That was day, day of the day Dead, of the yes, dead. Day of the Dead. Yes. And, like, it has those just, just ultimate, just disgusting kills in it with the guts and everything, like, what was one of your? What was it like uh, working with those two? And then, what was one of your favorite uh, horror uh, movies growing up? Well, um, working with George was really great. I, I worked with a lot of directors in my day, and you know, they're all different. Every director you work with is different. They have their own style. George Absolutely. really let you work. He let you be an actor, and um, he would let you do your thing, and you know, occasionally would would guide you around uh, a difficult spot, but for the most part, he, he trusted you. And that was the greatest thing. His sets were always fun. I mean, he always kept the, the show moving. He always kept the production going, moving forward, but it was always fun. It wasn't tense. You walk on some sets sometimes and there's a lot of stress. You can feel it when you walk onto the set, but never with George. It was always uh, really comfortable and fun environment. And he had built a family, really. If you look at the cast of Dawn of the Dead and then you look at the cast of Knight Riders, it's almost the exact same cast. You've got Kenny Foray, you've got Scotty Reiniger, you've got Tom, you've got me, you've got Tasso Stravakis. All of us that were in Dawn of the Dead also end up in Knight Rider. And I think ultimately it would have been George's dream to have an ensemble group that did movies and you know, every year or so we would do another film, and uh, and pretty much that's that's what he did. He he used people uh, repeatedly, which was great because so many of us got our careers 
through George and started by working with George. And a lot of people have gone yeah. on, John Harrison, Nick Nostandria, and, and have done wonderful things. Tom Savini, you know, really got started by working with George. Um, exactly. And so, yeah, so that was, it was wonderful working with him on that. Um, my, as far as my favorite horror movie when I was growing up, I loved the Universal Classics. I loved Frankenstein, and I loved Dracula. We had a show on okay. in Pittsburgh with uh, Chili Billy Cargill called uh, Chiller Theater, and he would show those movies uh, at 1130 at night and I, on a Saturday, and I would stay up to watch them. The movie that scared yeah. me the most, and it's funny because my kids laugh at it, was The Exorcist. The movie uh, came out when I was uh, in high school, and that movie scared the heck out of me. And uh, still to this day, I find it pretty scary. My kids laugh at it, but I still, I still think The Exorcist is one of the scariest movies ever made. Yeah, I was just, that was actually even my next question. Was there ever a film that, you know, you used to watch or that you would even watch today that would even still get to you for a specific reason? You kind of just answered that. But um, yeah. I, I grew up more like, and, and that's even a common answer is the classic horror movies with, or classic monster movies of Frankenstein and Dracula and all that. Uh, but for me, growing up, I initially started, my first ever horror film I ever saw was Scream uh, back in 96. Oh, okay. And um, I, was, I was a slasher fran- fan throughout the years. You know, you got Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, uh, Leatherface, Ghostface, all of them, it was always my favorite genre of horror movie. And then I started getting into the monster movies and the zombie films and that kind of thing. And it just, I, 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 I always have to go back to my classic slashers, in my opinion. Um, now, I guess one more question that I just kind of thought of, was there a person that was in like the, that specific genre that you wish you could have worked with? Like for me personally, if I ever got the opportunity, I would have worked with uh, like Wes Craven or uh, Robert England or even George Romero or Tom Savini. Those would be like my top four. If I had the opportunity, I would work with. I I think the simple answer is that I worked with George Romero and Tom Savini and it doesn't really get much better than that. So um, I think that uh, I've been very fortunate to work with those guys and still communicate with Tom on a regular basis. We see each other every week. And, uh, you know, it's the, um, you know, I never really thought about that. If there was anybody that I would have liked to have worked with, um, I would have liked to have gone all the way back and work with Lon Chaney or, you know, one of the, I, I would love to have worked with the original people, the people that sort of created the genre and, uh, yeah. and just know what was going on back then would have been great. Yeah, I, I totally agree. That would, that would have been cool, too. And then the one thing that always gets to me as I, as I asked, uh, is there one movie that always gets to you, and you kind of answer that, one film that will always, like, because as a horror movie fan, like, I don't get scared very easily. And I've watched slashers to the point where, you know, it's like I know what's going to happen and stuff. So I'm not really, I don't get scared or jump that easy. But one part of a film that will always get to me, it was the original Hatchet. And it was the second kill in that movie where the woman gets her mouth, uh, the killer puts his hands in her mouth and rips her jaw in half. And it's just like I yeah. can feel my cheeks ripping at that point. Yeah. Like, because it just looks just so, I, 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 I'm not sure if it was Savini working the makeup on that one. I can't really, I got to, I think it was, if I wasn't mistaken, but it's like 
he does so well with those effects and stuff like that. Even uh, with uh, Day of the Dead that we mentioned during uh, with Bub the Zombie and stuff, when he saluted the sergeant and he got attacked in the elevator by the zombies and you just slowly see his his bottom half just ripped in half and all you hear is choke on him while he's slowly <laughs> perishing by yeah. getting eaten. It's like it's just those yeah. incredible like just looking at that stuff was just wow. It's just it was incredible. Yeah. Now I gotta ask, yeah. I, I'm trying to remember. In Dawn of the Dead were there a lot of um that kind of stuff with special effects or no? Oh yeah, there was uh, you know, every night um, George would tell Tom, we're going to kill X amount of zombies tomorrow, uh, and we're going to do some featured kills, and Tom would go home and work on it and come back the next day. Uh, the machete kill, which is one of the most famous, I think, kills in the movie, um, Tom had taken a machete and notched it out, and the actor that was supposed to be, uh, that the notch was supposed to fit, um, couldn't make it that night so tom went around putting this machete on people's heads to see who it fit and it turned out to fit lenny lees who was on the crew uh it turned out to fit lenny's head perfectly and so lenny ended up in the bit i'm, I'm holding his head tom is, is doing the machete kill of course but uh that 14 seconds or 20 seconds of screen time has made lenny world famous he uh he goes to conventions all over the world as the machete zombie, you know. Um, but exactly. we did, inc- yeah, we did so many kills. Uh, it's hard to remember. Tasso's Travakis when they tore his chest open, and uh, the guts that came spilling out. Um, that was uh, actually from a butcher shop in uh, yep. Pittsburgh here in Bloomfield, and um, Tom uh, had actually used that again in Day of the Dead when Joe Pilato, the the bit you mentioned earlier, when Do, uh, oh. Joe Pilato gets torn in half, and what had happened was they had taken a holiday break, I think it was, and the power was off, and all those entrails, all those guts rotted. And yep, that was exactly I wasn't there. I, was I didn't mention. work on Day. Yeah, that was it, exactly it was just, what I was about to talk about. That, that must have been <laughs> yeah. absolutely disgusting, disgusting to work with. Yeah. Like, I was, look, I was watching... Uh, featurettes and stuff because like all those horror movies i like watching special features and stuff like that back behind the scenes if i can and you can just literally see him laying back with all the entrails right in front of him and the zombies are literally plugging his nose and they're whiffing it away from themselves so they don't have to just witness that or like smell that and it's like i just always like to ask yeah it's like i i mentioned that to a previous guest we had a few shows ago i was talking about that too because it's just like that must have just been the worst, but it just came out the best. It was just incredible. Yeah. And I was going to ask if yeah. any similar situations have happened to you throughout movie sets or not. Like, have you ever had any accidents or anything like that? Well, before you answer that, we well, just got yeah. to mention that uh, we have uh, Marty Ship as our guest here. We've got about uh, 20 minutes here left. Uh, I'll uh, let you answer that question, and we're going to come back to me. I want to talk to you about the audit control. All right. Um, I would say uh, – you know, Tom and I sit around and talk about how many times we've been hurt as actors. You know, he broke his uh, heels on Dawn of the Dead where he did a stunt where, and of course we were working low budget there. So when Tom flips over the railing before he gets killed, uh, he was landing on a bunch of boxes and some mattresses 
and he overshot the mattresses, and his heels slammed into the floor of the Monroeville Mall and uh, did a little bit of damage. Uh, he was in pretty bad shape for a while. I actually uh, broke three fingers on, on Dawn when I, I get killed, and I do a, a layout on the floor. We didn't have any mats or any pads, and I didn't let go of my guns, so they slammed, uh, and they were real weapons, and fully wo- uh, weighted slam my fingers into the floor of the Monroeville Mall, you know, so I cracked a couple of fingers doing that. Uh, I twisted up my ankle in a motorcycle uh, accident in Dawn of the Dead, where, I'm sorry, in uh, in Night Riders, where I was actually just testing out the bikes and spun out and uh, tore up my ankle. Uh, I got cut on Out of Control. We're going to talk about that in a minute. If you watch some of the episodes, you can actually see a bandage on my finger in, in some of the episodes on Out of Control where I was doing a bit uh, with a pair of scissors and I cut the top of my finger off and had to go to the hospital, got stitched up, got 21 stitches, got patched up, came back in time to finish shooting in the afternoon. So I think if you talk to any actor that's got any experience at all, they were injured somewhere along the way. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, Marty Shiv is our guest here on 89.1 Ken's FM. We got uh, 19 minutes. Now, the episode I believe you're talking about where you were working with the scissors was a worm contest uh, where you uh, you were trying to sell the scissors. And right. uh, you said, if you send me $500, I'll uh, send you the scissors. And then uh, Dave Coulier says, well, why would they want to send you money for a scissors? And they're like, and then you're like, well, send me some. I mean, one thing I, I love about your character, and uh, can you give us a little uh, 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 intro as your character? Oh, oh as Hearn? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I mean, Hearn had some had some some things that were sort of his trademarks. He had a laugh, you know, that was <laughs> that was Hearn's laugh. And then he said, whoa, a lot. And, um, uh, you know, there was just bits about Hearn that, that, were, uh, that were iconic, I would call it. But, yeah, so the laugh, the laugh, I think, was the biggest Hearn thing. Well, you know, my favorite thing about Hearn Burford, uh, and uh, like I say, uh, I used to watch that show, and uh, my mom said, if you watch that, if that show comes on the television again, you are grounded. And, uh, well, you know, I'll tell you what, I, uh, I spent a whole, uh, the, the series of out of control lasted 20 episodes and, uh, that was 20 weekends of grounding. But the other thing I liked about Hearn Burford is, uh, you know, your, your, your outfits, uh, you know, you kind of dress like, uh, uh, Mr. Turlick from WKRP in Cincinnati and you always had the, the hat on, uh, and you always had yes. a different saying on your hat every episode. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes it would say push. It, it started out as press, then it was push, then it was pull, then it was we put on this space for rent. We changed that every single time and uh, every single show. And that was the uh, Oak O'Connor, who was the prop guy on the on the show. He would come up with the different things to put on the, the signs on my hat. But, yeah, we, you know, everybody else got their clothing through, you know, nice wardrobe houses and whatever. My clothing, my wardrobe all came from, you know, Salvation Army, Goodwill, secondhand stores, you know. Um, And I think I started a trend with plaid on plaid, with the plaid jacket and the plaid pants. But that was really, uh, 
some of the defining things of Hearn was his his wardrobe, his attitude. You know, he was always looking for a quick way to make a buck. He was always he was always jealous of Dave for hosting the show. Uh, you know, we were we were the first show that was produced by Nickelodeon for Nickelodeon or uh, one of the very first shows. Um, prior to that, out of control, they had taken other shows from other networks and put them on the air. Nickelodeon started as a programming called Pinwheel out of Cleveland, Ohio. And so a lot of the Pinwheel content migrated over to Nickelodeon as well. So we were kind of figuring it all out. And we were kind of the bad kids network. You know, Disney had, uh, you know, the A students and we had the C and D students. So, and we were proud of that, you know. So it was, it was different. We were, we were children's programming with an edge. and It was really a good time. And, uh, you know, I know fans are going to uh, uh, probably click when I start doing this, but uh, pinwheel, 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 spinning around. Yes. Uh, I used to watch that show religiously as well. But uh, the one thing about Out of Control, the fact that, you know, you get to work with uh, Dave Coulier, I believe that was his first, uh, uh, his, his first bit. Uh, what's it like being with Dave Coulier? It was the most fun I ever had going to work. I have to say, Dave and I laughed so much. There were so many takes that got ruined by not being able to keep a straight face just by laughing. We had a blast on Out of Control, and Dave, of course, was just, you know, the best. Um, he and I still talk, and just such a great guy, and I really, really um, loved working with him. And it was his first real breakout series was Out of Control. Um, and it was just uh, such a good time. I used to wake up at three o'clock in the morning, just laughing about something, you know, because of what happened on the set. And I'm happy to say that there's a bunch of the episodes are on uh, YouTube. Um, yep. A little all disappointed of them, yep. that. Yeah. I think there's 26 episodes on there, if I'm not mistaken. And I, I'm a little disappointed that when Paramount picked up the, uh, library from Nickelodeon. They Paramount Plus picked up Nickelodeon. They didn't pick up Out of Control. And um, I was kind of hoping it would get another life and uh, people would get a chance to enjoy it. We didn't get any residuals for that show. We, we, uh, we were actually on cable so early that there wasn't a, a contract for cable residuals just yet. And so um, it wouldn't be uh, anything that we would get money for. But the, the show was just so much fun. And I just would love another uh, generation of audience to see it. Now, uh, for for fans that are listening, you can go to uh, YouTube, type in "Out of Control Nickelodeon," and there is um, uh, there is a uh, how you want to say um, a list where you can click on and you can watch every single episode just by clicking on the uh, the link. And uh, the the one thing though that stands out about the uh, about the show, not only was it uh, Hearn Burford, but I, I also believe that, uh, you know, you always had um, battles with uh, Scoop Quickly to see who was the best reporter. Yes. Angela Scoop Quickly, yes. Um, and and that Diz, was kind of, of course. It was a fun – I'm sorry? And uh, Diz was another character on that show. Diz McNally, yes. And then Dave Stenstrom was Waldo. Um and it was just such a great ensemble. We we all got along so well. Sometimes when you're working with people over, uh, you know, a period of time, 
tensions grow, it, it gets weird, whatever, but it never did. Um, we actually thought we were going to get picked up for more shows. And we were, uh, when we were supposed to find out, I was actually having a party at my house thinking, yeah, we, we got this in the bag, you know, but they decided to take Nickelodeon in a different direction. They decided to uh, make sure that most of their shows, all of their shows actually, had a good uh, number of children within the cast. And we, of course, only had a, a guest star here and there. So we didn't fit the new, um, the new direction that Nickelodeon was going. So uh, they stopped producing us. But they re-ran the show for seven more years. We were on the air for two years, and then they re-ran it for another seven. And uh, so it ran for a, a good long time. You know, the other thing I, I remember, uh, the lineup, it was uh, Danger Mouse, then Double Dare, yes. then You Can't Do That on Television, then Out of Control, and then it was Inspector Gadget. I, I mean, I, I used to, uh, you know, it, it's just sad that Nickelodeon is not the way it used to be. It was, right. it was the first network for kids, and now it's not really that anymore. To be honest with you, I don't even know what it's... Nickelodeon has anymore. Well, I don't know either, to tell you the truth, but um, you, you had uh, back then, the, uh, we were a, what they called a sundown uh, channel, um, and so at six in the morning when the sun came up, we were on the air, and then at six at night when it went off, when the sun went down, we went off the air, and then Bravo, the Bravo network would take our, our number and they would, they would go on and do until six in the morning. So we were only on 12 hours a day back in those days. So uh, they would run a loop. Sometimes out of control was on uh, four times a day or, or more. And, uh, and you can't do that on television. The same, you know, we were, all of us were running, uh, the shows were running multiple times in the day to, to create the wheel that would run for 12 hours. That's how little programming they had when we first started because they didn't really have enough content to fill out a 12-hour schedule. Um, you know, but it uh, didn't matter because kids will ahead. watch the same thing over and over and over again. Well, you know, it's kind of like, um, you know, like when, uh, when uh, Blue, Blue's Clues came out, uh, yes. that uh, you'd watch um, – and I know nobody cares, but uh, back in 96, 97, when we had the winter from heck here in uh, Fargo, North Dakota, uh, we were home a lot because of the bad winter. And, uh, um, you know, I turned on Nickelodeon, kind of like trying to hope and find old reruns, on, and there was none. Uh, but I, I watched the show Blue's Clues. And uh, the funny thing is they showed the same episode for five straight days. I'm like, what is this? Uh, this reminds yeah. me of, yeah, this reminds me of my, my childhood. It's like I used to watch <laughs> uh, all these shows yes. at the same time. Now, one thing I do want to ask you about, you know, I want to ask you about a couple other shows that you were on. We have uh, uh, Marty Ship here uh, as our guest here, and we have uh, nine minutes here with Marty. And uh, for those of you who listen, if you go to uh, Attitude Air Monday Live Monday, you like that. Uh, you go to 89.1 Kent's FM page, you like that. Do a $10 a month donation, Power of the Tower. We'll get you qualified to win a autographed picture from a past guest, current guest, and a future guest. And I believe that uh, Marty's going to send us uh, a few. Uh, but uh, yes. one, uh, another show I want to ask you about 
is uh, another one of my favorite shows that you were actually on was Perfect Strangers. Uh, and you were yes. in the first season, get a job, and you were the Roddy hockey, hockey fan. What was it like working with Larry and Belky? Well, you know, um, it was it was fun. That was a fun show to do as well. Um, and uh, Mark Lynn Baker was uh, who was cousin Larry. Uh, I, he was in one of my favorite movies. He was in uh, my favorite year with Peter O'Toole, um, which was written by a guy from Pittsburgh, by the way, Dennis Palumbo. Um, and I just getting the chance to work with Mark Lynn Baker was really a good time because I already I was. You know, I already respected him as an actor, so it was a good time. Um, it was uh, it was really kind of fun. It was great to be on that set. The show had a great energy. Uh, those two guys worked to w- together very well. Um, you know, so I had actually auditioned for the role of Larry. Um, when Larry Anderson was originally cast in the role of Cousin Larry, and um, when they were looking to replace him, I had actually auditioned a few times for that role. So um, I was very familiar with the show. It was great to be part of it, even as a guest star, you know, in a, in a featured role, um, which was a, a great time. I had a blast on that show. And uh, you know, you were also in uh, Sledgehammer. Now that had yes. uh, that that show unfortunately only lasted one season, but uh, that had to have been a blast being with him, David Roush. Yeah, he was a good time too, and the. Uh, you know, I have to say I'm very fortunate that I had sort of – my career was on two ends of the spectrum. My film career was horror and zombies and motorcycles and, and sort of a, a, a grittier experience. And then my television career was sitcoms and, you know, children's shows. So I had the, bo- uh, the best of both worlds because most people don't get a chance to do that. Uh, either you're one or the other, and that's it. But I fortunately was able to do both. Sledgehammer was a blast. It was a funny show. And I was surprised, actually, it only lasted one season. And uh, another uh, – now, one of my mom's favorite roles of yours, um, and I, ne- I didn't have the heart to tell her that, uh, Mom, you know that's Hearn Burford. Uh, I didn't have the heart to tell her that. <laughs> But my mom loved Dallas, and uh, you were Del oh, Greco. Yes, uh, you were I was. Del Greco. I did not have the heart to tell her that that was Hearn Burford. You, now, you're watching him now on Dallas, but you used to ground me when I used to watch him on Out of Control. What gives? You know, I, ne- <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I never. Well, I know she's listening now, I, but now she's like, really? <laughs> well, I was I was much better behaved as a split personality in a mental institution on Dallas than I was as Hearn. You know, Hearn was generally out of uh, genuinely out of control, but um, you know, uh, Del Greco was a whole different kind of character. That was a blast. I had so much fun working with Larry Hagman. He was a good time. Um, I would have to say that was probably the second most fun I had going to work, and um, and the whole ensemble cast. You know, was sort of a uh, a little bit uh, like one flew over the cuckoo's nest with Larry as the, uh, the lead, you know, uh, and um, we, uh, we all worked together very well. And um, that was a, that was a good time. That was really a blast doing that show. I love doing Del Greco. It was a good time. And, uh, you know, you're also in uh, Matt Houston. Uh, you made an appearance yes. in Matt Houston. Uh, and, of course, we talked about Knight Rider. Uh, did you get to drive the car or ride in the car? I, I didn't. Um, actually, I played a cab driver, and I got to drive uh, David Hasselhoff around 
the entire episode because in the episode he gets amnesia and he doesn't know where he's at, doesn't know who he is or where he's going. And so uh, I spent the whole day with him actually driving him around. It was really a good time. But, no, I did not get to sit in Kit. And, uh, yeah, I I hate to admit this, uh, but uh, I did when I was a kid. (laughs) Did you really? (laughs) Yeah, uh, Kit was here for the World of Wheels. Uh, at the Fargo Civic Center, I actually got to sit in kit, and he said, do not touch any of those buttons, none of them. And uh, uh, let's see, um, another episode, another cool show that you're in that I was going to ask you about. Uh, now, what was it like working with uh, Andy Griffith? Uh, and uh, uh, did he, did you ever whistle the theme song to uh, uh, no. Mayberry with him? in Matt Lock, Matt Lock. you mean? Yep. Yeah, um, I was on the set that that – that part was very, very brief, but, um, you know, he was fine. He was, I really didn't get to interact with him very much, you know, not at all. Not like Dallas where I was with, uh, Larry quite a bit, actually, Larry Hagman and I worked together quite a bit. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, Matlock was really a, a fairly quick role. The the other thing I was going to ask you, uh, Marty, is uh, when you're uh, when you get the uh, when you get to be in these roles, um, whether it be Madlock or Matt Houston or Sledgehammer or Perfect Strangers, uh, you know, are, are you on the set to just to film your scene, or are you there for the entire week or two weeks? Well, usually you're just uh, on a show like Dallas, where you're part of an ensemble cast. Um, it depends on what they're shooting that week. You know, you, you may only be on set two or three days uh, and then they will be somewhere else on the other couple days. So it really depends on how, how the production is going. Uh, a lot of these shows where you're a guest star or featured actor or whatever, you're only there for a day or two. And so you're in and you're out and that's it. Uh, out of control. I was on the set every single day because I was one of the series regulars. And so uh, there's very few times in, uh, in out of control where we're all not around, you know, at, at least within five minutes. Uh, there it was rare that we weren't there. So we were on set all the time for out of control. Um, uh, other shows where uh, you may only have a scene or two or three, you may only be on the set for a half a day or a day, you know, and that's it. And uh, one thing I, uh, I do got to uh, do because I forgot about it, I want to wish you a happy belated birthday. I know your uh, birthday was Thank September you. 25th. I was going to text yes. you, and I, I, I forgot about it, so I figured I, I'd do that here. And uh, you don't want me to sing happy birthday because uh, uh, I, I want our fans <laughs> to continue listening. But uh, 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 we, we have Marty Ship as our guest here. we got uh, we got about two minutes. Marty, if our fans want to check you out and see, do you got a Facebook, an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a TikTok? Sure. What do you got? Well, they can find me on Facebook, uh, Marty Schiff, and uh, they can also find me on Instagram, and it's Marty Schiff PGH, which is abbreviation for Pittsburgh. So uh, those are the two easiest ways to find me in social media. And, uh, you know, the other thing, uh, Marty, I just, I just want to uh, thank you for uh, being with us tonight. Uh, we, we only got a minute left. But, you know, you, you are an awesome guy. And when I, when I found you and uh, I wanted to tell you the story about uh, getting grounded because I used to watch you on TV, <laughs> I, I just, uh, I, I'm, I'm just so honored uh, uh, for your friendship, sir. I can't, I can't uh, thank you enough for that. 
And while you're you're very welcome, and and I'm I'm actually honored that I helped get you grounded so many times. It built character. Right. Well, at least twenty weekends because there was twenty episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I'll tell you what, Marty, thank you very much for being with us. You are awesome. And, Thanks for uh, having me. And I look forward to having the uh, autographs uh, in the mail, and uh, I'm going to uh, put yours right up uh, next to Paul Borghese when I receive them. Thank you. Very good. Thank you very much. Thanks for everybody. All right, Marty Schiff, ladies and gentlemen. We got, uh, well, we got about uh, four minutes here before the uh, show uh, uh, clicks off here. So, uh we had a great show, didn't we not, guys, here? Yeah, we did. All right, hey, and uh, I got a surprise for you. Uh, October 31st, uh, that's Halloween. We are going to have a show. Uh, and there's going to be uh, uh, all week there's going to be stuff for Ken's FM. We'll get you more details next week. We want you to tune in that entire uh, Halloween week. We want you to help uh, raise money for Ken's FM. We'll get more details on that. But uh, I have the ultimate surprise for you, uh, Nightmare, uh, on October 31st. We're going to have a guest. I'm not going to reveal it now, but we're going to have the ultimate guest uh, that you, uh, I know that you'll know and love. And next week, uh, usually we don't promote who's going to be on uh, from week to week until Wednesday or Thursday, but next week we are going to have uh, a brother of my comedic hero, Next week, we are going to have Kevin Farley, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, his brother was Chris Farley, and uh, I want everybody to tune in for that. I can't wait to uh, talk to him about uh, his brother and about uh, all the stuff that he's doing. And, uh, you know, uh, we, we have more surprises. Uh, uh, there are always, uh, there's always bigger guests coming, and uh, we're not going away as far as I know. But uh, as long as we're still here, uh, Granny, you're going to be with us, and um, Nightmare, you're going to be with us, correct, guys? Always. Yep. All right. Yeah, we got about uh, 60 seconds here before the uh, before we get the act. So uh, uh, until next week, uh, this is Attitude Era Live, Monday Live Monday. This was episode number 289. And uh, listen to us every Monday night from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. right here on 89.1 Ken's FM. And also, we want to make sure that you're listening to 89.1 Ken's FM all week long because there's great music, uh, there's live bands, live and local bands, and uh, there's other shows and great shows that we are going to start promoting here on 89.1 Ken's FM so we can uh, have you start listening to them, and uh, they will start promoting us. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll go live every Monday night. So until next week, uh, you know what to do. Tune in with us and love you, everybody. Be safe. Love each other. Care for each other. Until we meet again, we'll see you next week. Do you think you know me?
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. DW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.